0: We'll open your Bibles now, if you would, to the book of Hebrews as you remain standing. As we've made our way through this book, the preacher at this moment has in sight the continuation... Uh, ...of revealing Christ's superiority. I said at the beginning of this study that one word could sum up this entire book... ...and it's simply this, better. Christ is better. Belief in Christ is better. The grace and mercy of Christ is better. The message of Christ is better. This is not to say that the Old Testament message was worthless by any stretch of the imagination. As Paul said, it was our schoolmaster. It led us to what we have in Jesus Christ. It helped us to see this. And so as we have made our way through, while chapter 1 kind of exposes the deity of Christ as, uh, uh, and his superiority in chapter number 1 being that of being deity, chapter 2 kind of presents Christ as human Yet crowned in a way superior to the angels, and so we 're going to take a look at this that, as this epistle is based on the fact of Jesus dual nature. We 've got to remember that. And so when we read some of what god's word has to say, some of it is in reference to his deity, while other areas are in reference of, to his humanity. And so we come together and we put them together. We do not divorce christ 's humanity and christ 's deity. We bring them together and we see the whole completed picture of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look, if you would please, Hebrews chapter number 2. And for continuity, we're just going to start in verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and transgression, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard Him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands." Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Bless, Father, the reading of Your Word, and our hearts, Father, to its application. Let us not be aloof and be neglectful of Your Word this morning. But let us, Father, remove any thoughts that would be a distraction. Let us calm and still anything that would cause our minds to get away from You. And let us not be the cause of someone else's mind being pulled off of You. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The question that I would like to kind of begin things with this morning uh, is kind of a why question. And if you really think about it, why in the world would God stoop to being so humiliatingly made into man? Why would the God that created the universe, the, the, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, why would he stoop to becoming man? It's an interesting uh, thing if you, if you notice what's being taught to us here. Uh, the, the writer of Hebrews, the preacher here, he goes back to Psalm chapter 8. and, and uh, we, A couple weeks ago, we read through Psalm chapter 8 together. Uh, but he looked at it, he says, that someone somewhere once said, and if you remember, the Psalms were a, uh, uh, the hymn book, so to speak, of that day. And so the Jewish believers, when you start quoting from a Psalm, they would have automatically, their ears would have perked up and it would have been, oh yeah, I got that, I get that now, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. It would be similar to if I started quoting to you, uh, let's say, um, Let's say I started saying, "I once was blind, but now I see." What song am I referring to? Uh, Amazing! It's not a trick question. Amazing Grace, right? If I uh, started saying, uh, "Well, victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever, He loved me ere I knew Him," what song? There's a couple people that know their music. I guess the rest of us have never sung victory in Jesus, right? What if I did um, um, some glad morning, when this life is 'er? o'er? Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like pulling teeth out of a duck. When when, they would have, when the preacher here, when the, the writer of Hebrews would have begun to quote from psalms, this is what he would have been doing. He would have been calling to memory. And the folks would have heard that psalm. They would have recognized what was being said. They would have automatically started to associate certain things. And here we have uh, the writer of Hebrews Opening up to us not only the deity of Christ, but now also the humanity of Christ and His superior to the angels as a result of even that. I want you to take a look at some, uh, some things that we need to uh, kind of wrestle out as we go through this. The first thing that I want to kind of open up is man's created purpose being revealed. If you, want, if you would like to with me, just uh, keep your hand in the book of Hebrews. You can go back to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter number 8. And let's take a look at this psalm in a little bit more uh, detail. This is a psalm of David. And as he's opening things up, we've got to remember that some uh, of what is being said, especially in a prophetic sense, uh, has a present tense. Application as well as a future tense application. So when we read this, there are two ways that we can see what is being said to us. And uh, I believe the writer of Hebrews views this as a, uh, uh, as a way to draw a shadow, so to speak, uh, from Psalm chapter 8 to Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse number 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens... Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained uh, strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man? Now let's just stop there for a minute. Because we need to realize just how marvelous you and I truly are if you've never really looked into it, I encourage you to do so, the vastness of God's created universe. And I'll never forget the first time I was able to sit through one of those... Uh, the star maps, and it takes you, and you, they, they don 't just have you sit there, man, they put you in lazy voice, so you can real quickly go to sleep if you 're not careful and you 're just staring at this huge, this huge uh, uh, screen on the on the ceiling and it 's taking you through all these stars and you just it, it zooms out and then it zooms out a little bit further by the time we were at the end of it i hadn 't realized how far away we had gotten from planet Earth until they started to bring you back in. And it was, wow, whoa, hey, this is really far away. And then at that one point in the video, it stops and it shows you, it puts a little circle around a little dot, a speck. And it says, do you see what that is? That's your galaxy. And I'm just, I'm blown away. And then it starts to zoom in, and the galaxy starts to get closer and closer. And the next thing you know, we're zooming in closer into the earth. And what blew my mind out of all of that is you know that you and I are really a speck on the speck on the speck. We're smaller than a hundredth of the size of an atom in relation to God's created universe. Look at verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? I don't know about you, but that's amazing to me. That as I look up into the night sky, and if you had the opportunity last night, it was a clear, it was a beautiful night. And that's one of the things that I love about living up here. When we were in Middletown, you you didn't get... Uh, those beautiful night skies because all the lights around were blinding you. So that's what I love about living out in the middle of uh, nothingness. I, I like that. You look up and guess what you see? Stars. What is man that thou art mindful of him? It's of great importance that we realize our purpose It's of great importance that we not only realize our purpose, but that we also realize the angelic uh, purpose. Why there are angels versus why there's man. You see, when I know the why behind the what, it helps me see the what a little more logically. You know, I can say, uh, someone can tell me, you're supposed to be holy. Why? Why? Because God is holy. That's the way Jesus put it, right? Be holy for I am holy. That's the way God has in His Word. And so for me to understand the why behind the what, I need to go even a little bit deeper. Well, why do you, I'm one of His creatures. I'm one of His creations. Why do I need to be holy simply because He is holy? Well, it goes back to our original purpose. You see, angels have their purpose. Going again into the book of Hebrews... If you look at the book of Hebrews, there, verse number 14 of chapter 1, talking about angels, says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, pause for just a minute for station identification. We are not... Um, uh, I, I don't want anybody to walk away with a misunderstanding. Angels... Are not your slaves. Okay? I've heard it taught that angels are slaves and servants of us. Now, understand, angels serve the Lord, angels serve God. They minister for us, they minister to us, but they are His servants. Okay? So we need to understand that first and foremost. But second, we also need to understand that angels are servants. They have a created purpose. But so does man. Man's original purpose is seen elsewhere. Man's original purpose is shown to us here in, verse, in chapter number 8 of the book of Psalms. Going back, and I, I told you, keep your hand there. Chapter number 8, look at verse number 5. When he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest, visitest him? Verse number 5. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Note what is being said here. God has crowned him with an honor and with a glory that he has not crowned the angels. Now, when we look at this and we realize that Uh, that Jesus became a man, sometimes if we're not careful, in our mind's eye, we can think that maybe Jesus, ah, you know what, since he's made lower than the angels, (laughs) he's at a disadvantage because the angels were spiritual bodies. The angels were spirit uh, beings, But, but Jesus became a man, and so maybe that put him at a disadvantage. Please don't let that thought creep into your mind. Because of Jesus becoming a man did not put him at a disadvantage. It actually increased his advantage. If anything, well, let me give you a disclaimer to that. It did not increase his advantage from being God. (laughs) It gave him an advantage that the angels did not have. Let me say it that way before someone walks away from here thinking that God got better because he became man. Stop. Man's original purpose was shown here in Scripture. Look at verse number 6 to continue it. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Man's original purpose right out here on display. When we consider the vastness of God's creation, man being that little speck, yet God places man as the crowning jewel of his creation. When we read Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God said, let there be light, and God made, and on this day God spoke, and on this day God said, and on God said, and it was so, and it was so. But then when we get to the end of chapter, 20, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, what do we find? It says, God said, let us make man, and he did it differently. He said, let us make man in our Image after our likeness, he places man there, and if you were to continue to read down through chapter number one of Genesis, don't take my word for it. Go back to chapter number one of the book of Genesis. I don't want anybody taking my word for it. Let's look at the Word of God. Genesis, chapter number one. Look at uh, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 says, uh, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Notice what he says. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth, Uh, every, Every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Notice what God's intended creative purpose for man was. To have dominion and reveal him. Realize that today, this very morning, you, my friend, as well as I, are image bearers of the divine. This does not make us divine. It makes us an image bearer. I am simply an image bearer to the one that I'm supposed to be revealing. And so as I, have, as I get into this and I see what, it's, uh, what, it, what my creative purpose was, though appearing insignificant, man's created destiny was an exalted high position of majesty and of divinely regarded authority in this world. Man was made for this purpose. Why was man given this dominion? Why was man created this way? Because of what it says in verse 26. Let us make Him in our image. And so for the rest of of creative uh, existence, when people see you, they should be able to see Him. When they see me as I go through my life, as I walk through the streets, as I drive down the road, as I go to work, as I uh, interact with my wife, as I interact with my kids, as I interact with my co-workers, as I interact with my neighbor across the street, when they see me, I am to be a mirror of God to them. So he gave to man dominion. He says, this is how I rule and this is how I want you to rule. man messed that up, didn't he? We know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. Man was just a little while, and then he dropped the ball. Big time. Just a little while. Man was to do what the angels have never been designed to do. They were never intended to to have this crowning uh, 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 ability or purpose or, or, or distinction. Angels were never expected to rule like this. Matter of fact, take a look with me, if you would, at Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah and the major prophets shortly after the books of Psalms and Proverbs... We have a passage of Scripture that is typically attested to be that of uh, Lucifer's fall. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. As we know from tradition, what we're taught is that Satan himself desired to have that position of rule and reign. Can you imagine for just a moment, you are the most beautiful of the angels that has ever been created? And then God goes through, he's making his way through the days of creation. I believe it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, so I believe that that's what he did. I believe that when the Bible says in the beginning, I believe that that means in the beginning, when it all began. And then it goes down through day number one, day number two, day number three, day number four, so forth and so on. And so I believe that the angelic beings were created in that time frame. You can disagree with me. That's okay. When we get to heaven, you'll find out I was right. Come day six, man is created. And if you're one of the most powerful beings ever to have been created, beautiful beyond words... He one of his top dogs in the angelic choir, so to speak. And then a little old nothing but a speck of dust man is made and crowned with glory and honor that you should have. Think about it. Angels were not created for the purpose of ruling and reigning. Man was He was created for the purpose of revealing God. He was created for the purpose of showing to the world God. That's His purpose, an image bearer. So we have this angel who attempted this, but what did God do? Eh. No, that's not why you were made. Now that we understand that God chose man to bear His image to all creation, we need to realize just how unfit He is to rule. You see, God's purpose for man was to exercise over creation, but we quickly saw how they, how they, uh, they revealed themselves as unfit. You see, man adopted Satan's view. The crown of man had fallen. Have you ever thought for just a moment... We were made in the image of God, like Him. It says, "In His likeness. Just a few verses later, Satan's telling Eve, "If you eat this, you'll be like God." I thought I already was in His likeness. What he did was he said, no, he was saying, "No longer will you be in His likeness. You'll be just like. Identical to Him. They stepped out of their created purpose, didn't they? They no longer wanted what God had made them to be. No longer wanted to do what God had created them to do. They wanted something more. And man does this today. Man does this today in ways that... We ignore ourselves. We don't really see until we are coming face to face with the reality. You see, man adopted Satan's view. And his crown fell. And as such, must now contend with nature. But I want you to notice something going back to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter number 2. Because this is where we're going to start to kind of bring everything to full circle. Notice what it says there in verse number five. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the Son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, thou crownedst him. With glory and honor, and did set him over all the works, over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So back to my original question, why would God stoop to being humiliatingly made man? Because of that last phrase that you just read in verse number 8. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. God created man for a specific purpose. And man failed. But that purpose does not go null and void. As God makes reference in the book of Isaiah, He says, Have I not said it? It will come to pass. Realize that when God creates and God has a purpose and plan, nothing that you and I can do will ruin His purpose and His plan. Nothing that you and I do can thwart the, 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 uh, the design that God has in mind. It's almost as if we look and we see man was created for a specific reason, but man messed that up. Well, God, I guess your plan failed. No, it did not. He said, no, nah, I'll make sure that it comes to pass. He knew before He created man that man would fall. And so when we see that man was made a certain way, now we look and we see, but we don't see all things yet put under him. So is God a liar? Does, is God wrong? Are, are we unable to fulfill what we were created to do? Remember Remember that the Old Testament, often, Old Testament renderings often have immediate context as well as a prophetic context. The same is true of Psalm chapter 8. Mankind had been given this dominion, but abdicated His rule. And since then we have chaos. However, Christ, as a man, successfully fulfilled God's purpose as His image. it's it's vastly important for us to realize something. Christ did this as man. To remove the humanity from Christ removes His atoning work. As a man, He did exactly what mankind was supposed to do. He ruled and He reigned and He had dominion exactly the way mankind was purposed to have dominion. You see this when it says that you're supposed to have dominion over the fish. What was one of the first things that Jesus did? He filled the nets of fish. Here's here's Peter and John and they're out fishing all night long. He says, hey, why don't you throw your nets in? We've been doing this all night. "Ah, I know, just go ahead and throw them in. I'm a professional fisherman. You're a preacher. You do your work. I'll do my work. Put your nets in. What happened? Put their nets in. Fish out the wazoo. And I don't know if you've ever had wazoo fish, but I would have been eating that fish like you wouldn't believe. Don't tell me he doesn't have dominion over the fish of the seas. He had dominion over the birds. He had dominion over all the creeping things going on. He had dominion over a donkey. That's what man should have been able to do. But he didn't. Christ, as a man, regained this dominion. And this regaining enables man now to realize his full potential and His full purpose. I want you to notice something in the next verse. Christ's death not only atones, but should also inspire us to exercise godly dominion ourselves. Let me show you what I mean by this. And hopefully if any of you are sitting there going, where is He going? It's going to come clear right here. Look at verse 9 but we see Jesus. You see that? Man was made in the image of God. Man was supposed to bear the image of God. He failed. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I want you to notice in that last phrase; it says, "For he that he by the grace of God." This, by the grace of God, infers that Christ's death was voluntary. He did not have a an aversion to doing this before eternity, uh, before time ever began. He knew what was coming and he elected to do this. I love the way that the, uh, the Word of God words, Genesis 1 26, he says, Let us. They agreed to do this, knowing what was going to come, knowing what was going to happen. So it infers that Christ's death was voluntary. This is essential for it being atoning as well as inspirational. This is how Jesus says to exercise dominion. Note what He says there. It says, but we see Jesus in reference to what we just read at the end of verse number 8. But now we see not all things put under Him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He says, you want to know what it is to have true dominion, to have true rule, to have true leadership, to have true uh, image of God, to be truly made in his image and reveal that? You know what it is? To serve. To serve. He says, we don't see all things put under him. But then in verse 9 it says, But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, to suffer. And he did that for you, for grace' sake. I want you to see what's in this. Because if you note the word for, who pair, meaning on behalf of, Christ Jesus tasted death for all men. This atonement is not by works of our righteousness. It is because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we are able to be atoned. But I want you to see the Greek word that is there for see. It's the Greek word blepomen, blepomen. It's from the root blepo. And you're like, blepo, that's a fun word to say, isn't it? Blepo. It means to not only take notice of, but to observe or to behold, even to the point of studying it so that you can discern. When we read this passage and it comes to verse number nine, it says, But we see Jesus. It's, it's not as if someone's walking, go, Oh, yeah, I saw that. We look. We gaze upon, we recognize, we behold. The question of why would God stoop? Here's the answer so that you can see Jesus. Not very profound, I know, unless you think about it. You and I were created in the image of God. I should have been able to look at you and see God. I should have been able to look at my neighbor across the street and see God. I should have been able to do that but I couldn't. You should have been able to see me and see God. But you couldn't. And so God stooped down to humanity so that He can reveal, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to be. This is how I want you to act and how to live. So if you'll notice that we see Jesus, this word carries with it a whole lot more than just, yeah, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, I've heard that before. But it's actually to behold Him. So I guess the question then would come down to what about you? What about you? How do we fulfill our God-given calling or our God-given purpose in life. So all you're saying is that I've got to be perfect. No, didn't say that. Well, what am I supposed to do if I'm supposed to reveal the image of God? The first thing is you need to behold Him. Behold Jesus. Behold Him in earnest faith. Don't miss this. It's one thing to see Him, it's another thing to look to Him as the answer. Behold your God, behold Him. Behold, Jesus, I see him, the one who humbled himself for me. I see him, the one who suffered and died for me. I see him, the one who was crowned with glory and honor. And I behold the source of grace from God. Jesus is that source. When he said, no man comes to the Father but by me, that's what he meant. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. You want to know God? You want to have life? Do you want to have an eternity? Eternally follow me. What is it to follow Him? Well, you know I like to play with the kids, and we like to play sometimes follow it. And I I loved it when I was when I when we had the little ones, you know the little tiny ones, and they're just learning. Where's your eyes? And we touch our eyes, and they touch their eyes. Where's your nose? Where's your elbow? Where's your spleen? No, we didn't really get that one. But we would have fun with the kids and we'd get them to mimic us, right? One of the ones Sarah used to like was what's the cow say? Moo. <laughs> what's the dog say? Woof. What's the cat say? Meow. What's the mommy say? No, no, no. <laughs> we'd get them to follow our lead, right? We try to get them to learn how to talk and how to walk and how to ride a bike and how to do this. We get them, this is how you do it. And then the older they get, we want them to follow our lead in other ways. I remember telling my oldest one time, I don't want you to believe what I believe just because it's what I believe. I want you to believe it because you believe it. But I do want her to follow along. So, what that does is it tells me what am I leading her to do? How am I leading? And so the first part of this is recognizing and seeing Jesus. He is the one that we follow. He is the one that we listen to. He is the one that we go after. He is the one that we pursue. I don't pursue some religion. I don't pursue some denomination. I don't pursue some way of thinking. I don't pursue what some uh, what some writer has said. I don't pursue uh, you know people. Well, I'm a big C Calvinist. I'm a little C Calvinist. I don't follow Calvin. I follow Christ. And so we've got to understand we see Him. And I follow Him. And as I follow Him, I imitate Him as the perfect example of being in God's image. Well, Pastor, what would you do in this situation? When you ask me what I would do in a certain situation, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Well, Jesus said, and so that's what we should do. Yeah, but pastor, you're not going through what I'm going through. Well, my prayer and my hope is that if I called you in that situation, what you would tell me is this is what Jesus would do. Not what you think would feel good for the person. I imitate Him. You see, the glorious crown of Jesus Christ came by way of sacrifice. And true Christ-likeness will always, always, always include servant, humility, and sacrifice. We read just a little bit ago from Romans chapter 8. And verse 17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. You see, church, it's important for us to see Christ as man. I think oftentimes we say, well, Jesus was God. Yes, He was. But He was also man. And that should remove any excuse you and I might have for living however we want to live and chalking it up to, well, I'll never be perfect. Christ... Did it for you. Not so that you can go through your life remaining the way we are, but so that you could see Him and follow His lead. He said, Follow me. So often we say, Well, Christ did it for me. I don't have to. No. Stop. Christ paid your debt. You don't have to pay your debt. But Christ still calls us to live in His image. And don't tell me we don't have to do that. That's our purpose for being created. As I imitate Him, and I give up of myself, I reveal Him to others. the more that we become mindful of Him being mindful of us, we'll become mindful of one another. You want to know why most of the time people, I don't want to give up, I don't want to do that, I don't want to go that way. No, Pastor, you can't ask me to do that, you can't ask me to give this up. because we're not mindful of just how mindful God is. And so the question really kind of comes into this. God that was made man, because man had a purpose, He was made man to regain that purpose and to show you how you can live that life. How are you doing with it? How are you doing at fulfilling the purpose for which God created you? Well, God made me to be the best Andy I could be. No. He made Andy to reveal Him. And it's time for us to quit playing around with that. It's time for us to be serious about it. And instead of just expecting everybody else to do everything, and, well, <laughs> that's just the way God made me. No, it's not the way God made you. God made you to be like Him. Sin makes you not like Him. Not God. How are you doing at revealing the image of Christ? Christ. How are you doing at that in your home? How are you doing at that in your marriage? How are you doing at that in the workplace? How are you doing at that in the marketplace? Father, we come before You, a thrice holy God, Thankful that you became man to show to us what you intended us to be. Father, what a, an amazing privilege it is to be made into the image and likeness of God. So, Father, just as we studied last week when we looked at neglecting the salvation, let us not either neglect our God-intended purpose. Help us to be people committed to seeing You right and following after You. We pray this morning that You would reveal to our hearts areas that need changed. Father, I believe with my whole heart that every single one of us in here has something ...that we can address today. I believe that. I have to believe, Father, that your Holy Spirit is working in us and in our midst. And so, Father, we invite you to change us today. We beg of you, Lord, to open our eyes to our sin. Open our eyes to our disobedience. And Father, help us to purge it so that we might be more like Your dear Son. We pray these things in Your Son's name. Amen.